so we just finished recording episode six. Yeah. Um, with Roy Lynch, uh, owner of the Sport Ninja Clinic, um, based down on Clarendon Street. Uh, it was good. Well, conversation was flowing. Went on for a good bit. I maybe a bit longer than mm, I expected. I expected. So we were invited us down for a, an initial consultation there during the week. I'm too fucking haggard to even talk, man. I swear to God. Um, invited us down for a consultation. And um, he did a wee assessment on Blaine, found a couple of weaknesses, and they are structural weaknesses. weaknesses. <laughs> uh, they're structural weaknesses, which uh, could hamper your progress, obviously. Um, potentially not correcting them could end up uh, rearing its head in some form of injury at some stage maybe it would not but it's always good to address these things um, so it was a valuable consultation uh, and so you just give me a t- two week uh, or just until next time we meet then yeah. I uh, just a, a a rehab plan it's really simple exercises um, involves first of all releasing the muscle um, is it releasing the weak muscle the tight the tight muscle mm. Um, and then it takes about two minutes to release that with a tennis ball mm. and then straight sure. on do a, an exercise then for uh, 10, 10 to 15 reps right. strengthen that, that weak muscle at the top of your leg um, and then just repeat that twice every day I suppose we should say a thank you to Ray for his offerly services days for the remainder of our of our training right up to the event day so hopefully we can keep, a, keep an eye on what's going on catch anything that pops up before uh, it gives us any any trouble well, uh, we've said from the start we're, we'll take every precaution we can in order to get to the the start line injury free so this is another piece of the puzzle piece of the puzzle string to the bow um uh, we hadn't had a lot of content out in the uh, last few weeks um and then we recorded episode five there few days ago with Odron mm. um, and we kind of endeavoured to get as much content out in a short period of time now to keep people listening uh, so we've we've at least organised some stuff going forward we've got someone who I'm really excited about coming on just because of his his level of expertise mm. um, so we've got a doctor of dietetics coming on um, he's going to keep Kevin Logue's his name. He's going to be our next our next guest on. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a wee bit worried about him coming on because he's he's probably going to give me a bit of a roasting. Uh, um. See the thing is, too, he's, we has his level of education. You you cannot just go on there initially intellectually intimidated. <laughs> you know, you you're uh, just very aware that you're sitting across from somebody who's extremely highly educated. Uh, um. He's got a separate degree in politics and Irish history which is I suppose a wee bit of something you're interested in too, but, uh, but then he's got a PhD then in dietetics which is pretty frightening uh. so really excited about him coming on he's going to come on give loads of valuable information about um, diet in general but specifically about fueling for endurance events um, I had a brief conversation with him uh, we got a coffee over the weekend and he put a lot of emphasis on hydration um, which is something that you 
Don't do. Yes. I've, I've uh, been dehydrated for about 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, your pee just basically comes out as dust. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, and he's, again, really appreciative, really appreciative of the people we meet. He, he even again has offered us, he's went above and beyond for us. He's, mm. he's a, a lecturer at Coleraine University. So, obviously... As with all universities, they're involved in a lot of research projects, and they've got the top end equipment up there for testing. Mm. Um, so he's invited us up to use to uh, take part in a lot of testing, which is relevant to endurance events. He's going to do body composition testing and VO two max, and uh, he's going to do. They've got a really accurate bod uh, pod. They've got a bod pod, which is they use air displacement. They figure out. Accurate measures of body fat. But Have you seen the bod pod? I haven't seen it, no. But I it, was he, online looking at Steve yeah. Nolan apparently was on it. <laughs> I should check out whatever. Not the same one I'm getting under. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't watched it since. Um, <laughs> He's still on there. <laughs> um, aye, and they've got a, a whole line of testing up there that he's going to put us through. Um, so again, I can't wait for that. Really appreciate that. I'm picturing a Rocky Four. Mm. You know, when Ivan Drago's mm. getting all the proper technical stuff. I'm not sure that. So, uh, do we have any thanks, Diggy White? Have we got any? No, no ways to need it. No. Um, so, <laughs> well, it's only been like two days. But oh, when, How long ago we record? About seven days ago? What did it mean? Uh, it must have been last Thursday, anyway. Uh. Um, so, we had planned to get that podcast on this week, too, but uh, it's looking pretty unlikely. And we are away next week, so that podcast will probably be recorded the week after, and we we'll get that straight out because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people looking to uh, get a bit more knowledge on the diet side of things. Uh well, we'll do the AMA well in advance. I suppose mm. this this can be your first announcement of the AMA. If you have any questions that you would want to ask, even um, diet related, Doctor Kevin Luke, Doctor Kevin Luke. <laughs> If I was, if I had a PhD, I would want people saying doctor every time they mention my name. Did you see that thing on the internet the other day about the the doctor that she was giving off because some air hostess didn't address her as doctor? <laughs> uh, she got would, roasted online for it, like, as you me. can imagine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, I'm so pretentious, but I would just be doing it every time. Uh, uh, you wouldn't be my mate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is there an Aiden Doherty here? And I just sit quietly. <laughs> And Tully says it. And Tully says it. Are you are you on about Doctor Aiden Dory? Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I suppose we had the AMA tonight with Rory. It's a bit difficult. They asked someone in Rory's pr- profession uh, a question through a podcast because if you have a sore knee or something like that or sore back you rather come and get seen than, than diagnosed through an AMA question. Mm-hmm. But I think the dietitian's a bit different. You know, yeah. you, you can ask this guy anything. Um, even we've been asking him stuff through mm. through email already, and that you know we're getting some solid advice. Right. Um, so I don't even know what type what type of questions would people want well, to know. One, once we when we started the page, one of the first questions came on was about. Diet protocols, uh, uh, that's, intermittent fasting straight away. That's right. Uh, um, I know Jamie 
Jamie's been asking me about my diet too, so I suppose I've been tracking tracking my diet this week a lot more. Um, before I was just sticking to the plan, sort of <laughs> <laughs> trying to stick to the plan. Whereas now Kevin's looking for a copy of my uh diet plan sent up to him this week, so. I've been actually sticking to it really well this week, so mm. they avoided telling off in the next podcast. But I'm using my fitness pal to log it, which is uh, a really wee handy app if anybody's looking to track their, their calorie intake. It syncs with Garmin too, so at the end of the day, it looks at everything I've ate right through the day, looks at all my exercise through the day, and just tells me if I'm in a calorie deficit or a surplus or sitting at threshold. That's that we haven't got any housekeeping. As usual, when I when we post up the podcast and the, the links will have linked to the website which contains all of our podcasts, uh if you want to listen back on any of them. Um and also the self self help Africa donation link should you wish to make a donation to the charity page. Throughout the interview with Rory, um we discussed a couple of videos and stuff that he has up on his facebook page so uh once once we post this podcast if you want to check maybe in the comments section will we add links to the videos or maybe we'll just share, share them directly on the facebook page yes they'll be about our facebook page anyway if, if you want to take a look at any of those videos that we discussed so that's that's everything um ladies and gentlemen we bring you episode six with Rory lynch enjoy, enjoy. You're listening to the Coast to 250k podcast with me, Blaine O'Donnell. And me, Aidan Doherty. And we're going to be taking on the mammoth challenge that is the race. This will be a 10-month documentation covering all the highs and lows that come with preparing for an ultra-endurance event. What's this, episode 6? <laughs> episode 6, eh? Aye. Aye. Episode 6, we're here with Ray Lynch. Um, Ray is the owner at the Sport and Injury Clinic. Um, so he can introduce himself better than I can if you want to go ahead there, right? Right. Um, Rory Lynch, the owner of Sports and Injury Clinic, um, just recently moved to Clarenton Street there. I'm just done it now about six weeks. In terms of me practicing, now I've been practicing uh, two years now out on my own. I initially was in uh, Newcastle for three years with my degree. Um, kind of after my degree, and I came straight back into the area, went back out, or straight out on my own. Um, kind of got involved in a few football teams. Um, while having my own practice. What um, teams were you working with? Can you say uh, that? Started off with Institute, got that job, and then shortly afterwards I was asked to come on the Northern Ireland regional team. And then soon after I had a Northern Ireland schoolboy team. Can I work with them now the past two years? Can I dropping off now from Northern Ireland stuff, but I'm still with the Institute stuff. Mm. When I was um, doing my degree, I kind of, in terms of the work I was, I'm doing now, got kind of disgruntled as soon as I was doing doing my degree stuff and was in learning what I kind of wanted to learn and the beauty of social media now you can find out a lot more and see what a lot more fuzzies top fuzzies around the world were kind of doing and chiropractors were doing and they were set they were telling me a lot of stuff on social media and youtube but I wasn't hearing in my degree mm. kind of became inquisitive from me and the placements and stuff that I was doing and um kind of went on and done more of their courses um that's where I am now and kind of Although I work a lot with muscles and joints, I'm more of a kind of what they call a nervous system person. And in terms of my testing stuff, we're testing to see what's going on in the, in the nervous system rather than what's going on in the body itself. Mm. Mm. 
That's good. I uh, work on my sports teams. I'm sure you've seen all manner of injuries, which is obviously really good. Then they bring their feet. And the, the whole nervous system aspect isn't something that you hear about too often. No. Um, we were chatting there before we started recording, and you were saying most people do the soft tissue thing, which would have been exactly what I would have thought too. In fact, part of Blaine's uh, his period he's training, he's got one week where it's soft tissue, and it's the reason I had it on there was for recovery and for they try to prevent any injuries that that I might get along the way. Uh, but I, I until we came across you, we had never, I had never heard you. Have you heard about nah, of the whole nervous system aspect to injuries and treating them and rehabilitating them. But it's really interesting, and you were able to apply some that to Blaine, and we brought him on. Uh, <clears throat> you found a few. You only addressed a couple of the weaknesses on that session because we only had what an hour, hmm. an hour to go through it for you to find them and give them a treatment plan. Um, but you were able to find loads straight away, and give them a wee treatment plan. You want to talk about what what you found with Blaine and yep. how how you've given them his yep. plan going forward to try and address the, the issues that you find. Yeah, so initially what we found with Blame was two fallen arches on both sides, on both sides. Um, yeah. So for me then, I we kind of for my assessment, I kind of found that once our arches fall, when they were falling in front of me, when we were just doing the simple, the standing leg test of it on the single leg test of it on, mm. remember we were just bringing the knee up and we were just watching how the foot fell as the yeah. falling and falling out, and then we just kind of explained to ourselves then you know. As we're walking along every day, although you don't realise it, that foot will be falling every time. And I just that simple movement, then I kind of clicks in my head um, that the muscle that everts your foot or actually makes your foot falls, your pronials on the outside. So I kind of said to you straight away, look, I'll press on these when I get you up in the bed and I'll be able to find a nice hot spot, which Blaine found out fairly quickly afterwards. Wasn't very nice for her. Right. But um, for me then, I what I think then is Rather than just rubbing that source spot out and trying to think um, what the link is to the flat feet or the fallen arches, I'd rather say, um, I think, why is this happening? Why is this issue going on? And um, for my for my interpretation, I would think, right, there must if that muscle is having to contract all the time when we're walking, there must be another muscle that's getting a weaker a group of muscles that aren't doing their work. Mm. Um, so I was kind of, my kind of work, I kind of look on the lines and f- what we call fascial lines or fascial slings and, and one of the main players of fallen arches is what you call your lateral sling which kind of yeah. runs up outside, outside your leg and if anybody knows who's listening it'll be kind of up the outside of your pronials and on your IT band and yeah. up under the big hop abductors kind of runs away up under your neck so it'll run through your QL and your lat and up under your neck um so we, I just what I've learned I just, we did, or what I've been taught we just kind of follow the line and muscle test so do you remember we I said we muscle tested the pronials and I said they're probably strong they probably because they work they've been working all the time so mm-hmm. um we kind of went up in the muscles and I'd say the hub just above the IT band and we were able to test that there was a weakness in the muscles now the muscles were different on each side one of the sides it was a glute medius and then the other side was a TFL muscle yes um kind of do the same action but it's just a wee bit different yeah um. Well, the movement of the fallen archers then, so we're at, for us to try and combat that then, and we need this kind of strengthen more at the hip and kind of research, so kind of shows that um, if we do more strengthen at the hip, hopefully then the 
the muscles of the peroneus don't have to work as hard and then the secondary problem of a fall and just start to correct itself then so we were able to find out that they were qu- the hip muscles are quite weak mm. and Blaine found out that then when were trying to do a simple exercise of you know strengthening up the glute medius that yeah. the muscles are going really tight and yeah. really burning out as you were saying straight away right and so part of the peroneus are the the side of the the leg at the bottom yep and you were saying that they were contracting and they were really tight and yep. our part of the treatment too was you wanted us to roll those out didn't you yeah um just to what does that release the yeah. release the muscle yeah so um, basically the point behind that is the way i kind of work is we i work it in kind of movement so um i kind of say to myself right if that it's at the end of the day that's a nervous system of control it's still a nervous system of, um make and uh, instruct the peroneals they work so what we're trying to do yeah, and release it we're trying to dumber down or trying to down regulate or decrease the tone in the peroneals which then allows the nervous system in to kind of wake up and recognize that the hip muscles actually aren't weakened or are, are weak at the time mm. so do you remember i was kind of like releasing the peroneals we were just doing like some simple like i mean you probably call it trigger point release or, or massage and then we were able to go out and test um go out and test the glute medius and the tfl on both sides yes um, and they're able to kind of switch up on and, act and activate again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of tells me in the beginning we've got a, a relationship between the boosts. So we're basically teaching the nervous system to stop using the peroneal so much and start, and then teaching it again to start using the glute media. So for your rehab, you have to release out the peroneals with a tennis ball. Yeah. That kind of basically tells the nervous system, right, stop using the peroneal so much and it dimmers down the message that it's sending. Um to the peroneals and then we kind of work the peroneals in with a easy strengthen slash activation exercise mm. which relearns the brain to start using it so uh, that's basically what we're trying to do get the tfl and the glute media to start working again yeah and then the peroneals are kind of dimmer down and not have to invert or uh, yeah evert the foot as much then yeah. and do you think see what blaine what you found the blaine's assessment do you think with happy duties i'm running out or is that something that anybody could just have just three bad patterns or whatever is it yeah. co- common in runners or is it just anybody can have that kind of thing it's very common in society in general just anybody could have, yeah. have yeah it's one of the first things that you generally check mm. um kind of hip pain feet pain foot pain mm. uh lateral ankle sprains is huge yeah. lateral ankle sprains although it's not a muscle that you strain the ligament that directly nearly attaches um on the same their touches on the same bone as their pronouns so mm. a lot of the time you see people going strains in their ankles and going right there's unstable at the cycle here somewhere mm. and you kind of find out that the pronouns that are just directly above there kind of they're contracting really hard because you've got a weakness higher up on the hip um you can address that then they kind of that's a ligament school and creates more stability at the ankle mm. we put up a a wee post a couple of weeks ago. It was after we had the, the podiatrist done just on different types of footwear and, and equipment for running, cycling, whatever it is we're doing. Um, Patrick was of the opinion that... It's very subjective. It's very subjective. Right. Um, more or less, whatever works for you. Mm. Do, doesn't matter about price or anything like that. Just, just get a pair of shoes that's comfortable for you. Um, I actually recently bought a new pair of running shoes like i say the the ones that the first pair of running shoes i had they were really cheap ones they were like 30 quid that they told me for how long what six months or something no issues at all with them uh the ones i got this time were slightly more expensive but like i say there's 
no real noticeable difference. One thing I did notice is the the quality of the shoe. That you know you you'll pay extra for bold quality, um, but I don't know if there would be any difference in. What what's bold quality really going to get you? It's going to last you a bit longer. Just the shoe uh, itself la- will last, last you a bit longer. You a bit longer I but would if, say. if you're racking up miles anyway, you're probably going through shoes at an alarming rate anyway. Uh, well, I don't know what do you, what do you get. I don't know what you get out of a pair of shoes for three three hundred miles or something. Maybe more than three hundred miles. Just yeah. go out and check it. But I, uh, it's a bit like uh, a bit like buying an expensive car. You know, mm. both of them's gonna get you the the same place, <laughs> but one of them might get you there a bit more comfortable. Yeah, if I was so, gonna say one of them get you in style, <laughs> <laughs> one of them get you laid. Next time you'll be up in JD buying the best shoes. <laughs> <get. laughs> what are you buying them ones for? <laughs> just, just. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you'd be a bit more enough footwear. Like. <laughs> <laughs> kind of went off on one there by shoes but uh, what's your opinion on shoes and equipment mm. um his is probably somewhere that i don't really have that much knowledge on if i'm being mm. completely honest um now i've worked with runners um who the first question is why am i injured is it my shoes huh. is it the shoes i've done this or i changed my shoes six weeks ago and do you know what they didn't feel right to me you know then like i know there's loads of research on the barefoot running and what mm. kind of, and, I'm, and I'm sure if you look, if I looked under it, if you did look under it further, it'd be, there'd be a lot more fees to find. But and t- my advice on anyone would be don't get a shoe that's going to alter your foot mechanics that much. You know, a lot of people say, right, get a nice big high arch on them and mm. um, do that. You'll, your foot will change direction, you'll get more supination or pronation. But what I would kind of say is once you're coming out of the shoes again, you're back on the house, walk around in your socks. Your brain is in your nervous system is just going to go back the way it was kind of functioning before. So if you fall on arches and you get shoes that get you a big massive high arch, your brain will have to function in a different way and mm. have to recognise this new way of being. Mm. It'll be completely um, different to where it's been before and then you take the shoes off and you're back where it was before. Then you put them on and you're back where and your, your brain's going, I don't know how to work this out. Mm. Um, and then that, and then that might make, pick up injuries. Um, what I would say is it's subjective as, as well. If you feel comfortable in the shoes and then you don't feel it, um, they're having a difference in you. Um, sometimes you can make, they can make up a difference very quickly. Some mm. people can run a couple of miles and go, I'm not feeling right here. Because uh. you wouldn't believe but like sometimes if you change the angle of your foot, all their muscles will start activating that maybe they hadn't been activating before. And just as you seen the last time when we were trying to strengthen muscles that kind of weren't doing much, six, seven, eight, nine reps, we were kind of remember we were kind of burning so uh. if you can imagine if you're going to run 10 mile and you have your foot structure in a different place and a different muscle is activating and it's going your brain's going what is going on yes haven't used this thing in a long time and now you're happy with this um but in saying that then too i would say a lot of my runners i was saying them right well i don't know what shoes you're on or what you change from but what i can tell you now is i can test the main muscles here now that are supposed to work on when you're running. A majority of the time I find out that two glutes might not be working or one glute might not be working and that's the only thing that's supposed to extend your hip back well the most powerful one and they might have a few hip flexors that aren't testing the way they should test. So I say, let's get these better mm-hmm. and then we see if they're if it's actually the shoes or not. I try and get them I try and do my job and get them testing the way I kinda want them to test and I kinda um 
Nej, så nöjd. Han har man hört henne bara ta den där fungon sällan. Det ska jag vänta när jag släpper ut när jag är What about, I suppose this is kind of summer question, but compression socks? Do you know much about compression socks? Or? I know compression is big in terms of when you have an, when you have an injury, let's say you tear a ligament in your ankle. Mm. It's going to cause a lot of inflammation and swelling. You use compression and you know the famous rice, rice rest, ice, compression, ice, mm. which people seem to do for three and four weeks after an ankle sprain when not really going to do them too much. Well, I would mm. argue that it's not going to do them too much. Right. Um, See a lot of um, a lot of runners wearing compression socks. Uh, so I bought a pair just because everybody else had them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why I don't know the new while they're wearing them. Uh, Cause for me and like that, I'd be mm-hmm. thinking maybe they're constricting. The, the, is it down at the calf and stuff they were not? Calves, Would it be restricting down there? And the calf wouldn't be able to move as easy. Yeah. You would work there. Maybe if maybe the people who's wearing them has a bit of inflammation on their lower legs or something. Trying to. I think the thing I was reading was saying that they reduce how quickly you fatigue if you're wearing them. But uh, I don't know what the science is mm-hmm. in that, or if there is any science in that at all. Surely it's got to be lactate threshold. And I wouldn't. I uh, can I see any a pair of socks doing anything for your. So you're saying I was muscled. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like when you're a Wayne and your ma buys a new pair of shoes and tells you these years are gonna make you run faster, <laughs> and then you're flying up and down the street. Then I'd say, uh, go on, look at the speed of it. Uh, and little did you know she bought them and done stuff. Now what kind of leads on the that question about using certain aids during your training? Uh, you would see a lot of runners using obviously knee supports you know running would obviously take a lot on your joints you're literally stomping on the ground repetitively so you would see people wearing knee supports and you would see a lot of runners also using kinesio taping um for anyone listening it's if you see people literally with tape running in different directions up their up and down their legs or <laughs> you'll even see it on people's shoulders and backs and stuff too mm-hmm. um but I do. You, do you have an opinion on that, Ray? Or? Um, in terms of using aids in general, um, like you see a lot of people wrapping them around their knees and yeah, ankles. Like you know, in terms of football, I would a lot of players would want to need their ankles wrapped before mm. games and before training and stuff. And in, in terms of kinesio tape, you see a lot of you, know, you see a lot of high sports stars wearing them. Like mm. um, Gareth Bale, be a big man for wearing them. And Tiger Woods, be a big man for wearing them. Um, I do use kinesio tape now and again, but it's more for anti-compression stuff. Um, and loads of clients love it. Yeah. Loads of clients. Like I got a client there recently with tennis elbow, and I kind of did the treatment and strapped it up. She said the release he got off it was class, and once she took it off, she didn't feel as much. So I think a lot of it is, ne- again, nervous system based. Um, for them footballers who want their ankles wrapped, they probably have instability in their ankle before, mm. and they're scared of it happening again. Yeah. So that be better wrap. Right, it will have a, um, a physical effect where it will keep the ankle even more stable and less movement on it. Um, but for them, then it's kind of right. I'll let the shackles off now. And peace of mind. Uh, peace of mind more than anything. Mm. Um, now, I know there's a lot more, there is a lot more research on the um, taping. And there is a company, Rock Tape, that they talk loads about how it affects the nervous system and how you can change the tissues through the glide and stuff. Um, but in terms of like, you know, the average rapid you could put around your knee and the um and the chemist my idea on that was say right if you're having if you have a do- your knee is dodgy or 
your ankles are dodgy, right? Let's try and find. Fix the let's, problem. Let's just test the muscles around your knee that are supposed to stabilize. Let's do that. Let's mm. start off there. And if we can get their muscles fire and testing the way they should fire. Now, if you think about the, mu- the muscles that come from your hip and attach to your knee or come from your foot and attach to your knee, you're talking, I know, you'd be talking, um, you'd be talking close to 15. So, in my point of view, I would say, right, let's test everyone. If any of them don't hold a strong test, if any of them's a wee bit wobbly or a wee bit shaky, if anything's really weak, why don't we try and address that and get them feeling better? Um, the knee's a big one for me, like, you know, loads of people will probably have cartilage, a cartilage issue to me is kind of too much forced compression going through the joints. And all right, you're going to get compression through the joints when you're running, but if it's abnormal joint compression where there's too much going on at one angle, usually you're able to tell, right, if it's going at that angle, there's a muscle here that's not doing its job and pulling it the other way. Mm-hmm. Majority, I see loads of people with cartilage issues and bits of swelling and been through surgery, getting the clear out of the shape out that they call it, still having problems because if you have instability around your knee that's causing the cartilage to become damaged at the very beginning, you're going to go have a surgery. But if you haven't done anything to stabilise the muscles that, that were causing the injury at the start, how are they going to be stabilised after the surgery? And loads of people have still pain, but kind of feel they recognise. And that's a thing we, um, do you know the medical profession at the minute to say, right, right, you're going to have a knee surgery now, but some people worse and some people don't work. Mm. 50% success rate sometimes yeah. and then I always ask them did you do any rehab and then I give them this, the most silliest quad rehab you'll ever see mm. bring your leg up there and bring it back down bring it up there and back down and that's the thing too you see the with the, the, the strain on the NHS like you know what do you have then is people undergoing these surgeries which they probably waited a long time to get and then the the amount of people the, the load the NHS is bearing they're just not getting when they go on the fuzzy in or whatever, they're just not being given the the, ki- the quality of treatment that they need. You know, mm. that's, I suppose that's when going to somebody private like yourself can really make a difference. And like, you know, mm. you can take spend a bit of time with them and give them full treatment plans and you can bring them back the next week. Whereas if you're going through the NHS, it could be it could be a year again before you see your fuzzy or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It could be some crazy like that. Like. Um, what's, a, what's the kind of most common injuries that you would get, not just from... Uh, endurance athletes just from athletes in general like just any kind of sports injuries what is uh, uh, the big ones are probably groin pain knee pain and back pain I would say the mm. big ones I made mean, a discussion with Blame when he was saying they coming in the, you know, um, he was saying that he works at an office most of the day and sits on a, a desk most of the day and there's loads and loads of research and loads of high level um, medical people now doing research on the, how the seated position is causing havoc now for the body and we just don't even recognise it or know. Yeah. Um what they say is when we're created as humans, like we weren't designed to be sitting down, we're designed to be running around hunting and trying to find our food. Now we're um sitting down that does so much negative stuff for posture and I often tell clients, you know, if you map out your day, when you get up out of your bed you're going to sit down and have your breakfast, you'll probably drive to your work. Mm. A lot of people sit on their work in their work or any chance they get a chance to sit and work, they will sit <laughs> driving back home from your work, sitting down to eat your dinner. You might do an hour training or whatever but come back down and they watch Coronation Street and mm. the only way is Essex or whatever you want to watch like, I don't know what you use um, so and then you're going up to your bed they sleep in a lot of zen they end up sleeping in the fetal position which is not sh- straight again or spooning and uh, <laughs> everything's spooning the, all those front so muscles are just uh, tightening and contracting so high f- hip flexors tighten and glutes become weak because we're mm. sitting on our bums all day but uh, core muscles become weak and our shoulders round forward and then our heads round forward and then 
muscles have to work they keep us in that position or work harder yeah. like what happens our nervous system will get accustomed to whatever position we're on most why wouldn't it if we are seated loads our nervous system will say right you want me to be seated there I need my half flexors to tighten to keep us there I need my glutes to lengthen out and I need my shoulders they round forward my pec minors they round forward mm. they keep us there all day long yeah because otherwise we wouldn't stay there and then they become overactive and then the problems just come from there and the main problem what happens then is people get up and they go and try and do sports mm. with all these muscles that have been act- inactive all day and we're saying inactive all day but if you m- point it over the, the weeks and the days and the months and you keep going to try and find sport and you're not doing anything they wake up these muscles again and um, the ones that your nervous system are so used to working all the time are taking the blunt of it and then the kind of injuries just kind of yeah. start falling so it's quite logical when you think about it all mm. um, why these injuries are kind of occur and why they're so common and like loads of people who don't even play sport have loads of back pain and mm. it's usually because they're in this position all day long and then the muscles that are supposed to help them like you know if you think about the core muscles core muscles they're our core muscles which is stabilize your spine milliseconds before we move any limb so if you're going to reach your teabag your core muscles are supposed to be able to contract before you go and move that arm up there and if yeah. you haven't got the ability to do it with your brain I'll just take it from somewhere else and that compensation issue will, can last for a while but someday you'll do something too much and then it might, something might go in that's when you have your issue like. mm. and then so and then I would say too you know personal training is people are tend to make the, the issue worse then because They'll go to the gym and they'll exercise all those aesthetic muscles, you know, the pecs, mm. the every all the, the ones ads, they see in the mirror, the biceps, right. exactly, and it's just pulling them forward mm. even more. Mm. Um, and what they'll also do too, which is something I did when I started training, was they'll just avoid their weaknesses, mm. and they'll train everything that they feel that they're stronger on, and just leave the weaknesses out, which means mm. you're just creating even bigger imbalances and bigger imbalances. And then, so you're the work that you're doing in the gym, which should be the correct. You know all the all the bad stuff you're doing during the day. You're just making it worse and making it worse. Like so, it makes sense that that, that those are kind of the most common issues that you that you see. Like yeah, mm. the back pain's probably the biggest one. Any prevention tips? I would say that one of the main ones is try and stand up a wee bit more. Mm. Um, and then if we were able to recognize some of the muscles that generally go weak, most of them are sitting down. And the probably the main ones for me that I see is glutes and is the glutes in the core. And there are very, very simple exercises you could do to try and spark them back on again and get them working a bit again. It's, but in terms of the day, I kind of say you need to be standing up a tiny bit more, mm. Stre- maybe stretching a wee tiny bit more. But I think it's a it's a big massive social problem because you're not going to go home and stand and watch the TV and, and stand <laughs> up and watch the TV. Um, although that's not just to say, right, what do we do and just not do anything about it. But it's it's having the knowledge of your body if you're saying, right, I'm getting a wee bit tight in my back today and going to maybe... Even even do stuff like strengthen it, even or stretch it, or to move the muscles a bit more, and don't let it seize up, or or um, if we have more awareness, you could say right, if my back's even sore, I know I've been sitting a lot today, I have this wee core activation that I could just lie down and do here and then, like even was I showing you the core activation drill? I did a video on there recently, or it's just as simple as holding your legs in there and asking uh, your core to kind of work and breathe normal, and don't let your head do any work and. Yeah. Just as simple as stuff like that, then there's lo- there's loads you can do for the goods and stuff as well. And then if you want to be more sports specific, if you are at that position all the time in the day, do like a an activation warm up where you're going to activate your glutes and so it's like losing you do like one leg of glute bridges or double leg of glute bridges. Probably want to say more single leg if you can. And but anything as simple as that, and then a bit of core 
exercise and you can get the bands and like you have you got photos in any of this stuff on your page or I've put some pieces now I'm starting to do a wee bit more be a bit more on the page now you yeah. have I think we could we could probably push some of that out on mm. our page just right. well well one, one thing I did the other day was um I do release a back where you're t- uh, a tennis ball or yes. a foam roller um, if people were able to do that if people have foam rollers beside their desk and mm. they get loosened off their muscles a wee bit isn't um, the uh, maybe I'm wrong about this isn't the foam ro- you have to be careful with low back foam roll is uh, that right because of the, uh, just the shape of the lumbar uh, well you want to try and stay off the spine you want yes. to go straight on the spine like you're not going to be really, you don't want to really release the joints you want to release the muscles so mm. um, you can just kind of arch your back and you see in the video I kind of arch to the right roll there and or just the left and kind of roll there and the best is the tennis ball yeah, the best one is a tennis ball and you just lie and it actually feels really nice yeah, when you actually get in the mm. position you can kind of let the tennis ball sink in the muscles that are painful in your back and release them out um, uh, just simple strategies they got and mm. like everybody knows simple stretches and stuff they could be doing in terms of like hip flexors is the main one too back tightness and hip flexors and stuff mm. um, but in terms of me if I was giving these what I would really want, I would, or not what I really want, but my best advice is co- they they get tested. Ah. If if there's a few weaknesses and there's a few pains, it's likely that the muscles that are really contracting in that position all day will be compensating for something else. So one of the main half flexors, the like iliacus, I found it new that day. Remember then corrected. Yeah, it's the main one of the strongest half flexors, and I found it was compensating for a weakness in one of your glutes. Just one of the common, most main ones you see. And we're going to fix that the next time. We're mm. Not fix it, shouldn't say fix it, but right, help you correct it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I suppose it must be hard to kind of give general advice because everybody's <laughs> different, like, aren't they? So you could give general advice and you could hear from mm. the majority of the audience they're saying this stuff isn't working for me because they have something know. different wrong with them. Like, you know, I, but know. I suppose you can only give what advice you can give, like, generally, can you? Yeah. Uh, shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ah, well, that's. Do you want to do advice? Does that lead on to AMA or? That's where well, that's, that's where I had it on anyway. So we put out the the AMA um on our social media. Just we we've been doing it with all of our guests. I suppose it's a bit more tricky with yourself um because just like we were just explaining there, it's it's a bit hard to get general advice. Really, you, you know, you would really need to come in and get assessed. Yeah. By yourself before getting any advice. But we did have one come in there uh, from Owen Barr. Is there any particular sports treatment that would be good for reoccurring calf strains? Hmm. Right, so the first thing if advice I would give you if, is it both calves or one calf? From the sound of the question, it sounds like it's both. Ah. Kind of did a post on this already and kind of saying if you have any issue on both sides of your body, if it's the same muscle on both sides of your body, um, it's usually always an underlying core dysfunction that you need to work first. Um, now, a good test for the guy calling in. I did the video up on up on my page of the yeah. core exercise. I, if he would try a core exercise, um, put his legs in the position where he is. I'd say if his if he keeps his legs there and his, if his core is shaking or if he feels his lower back arching or it's hard for him to do, he's holding his breath within thirty seconds. Then it's likely that he's probably got an underlying core issue, and I could probably say it before I even see him. Right. Like there's a concept now if we kind of go off. It's like if you have the same. I'll give a perfect example. I had a young young kid on the other day and he got he had pains in his his knee and they were more specific as his patellar tendon on both sides um now he came in with his kind of father and i was kind of saying <coughs> um as soon as he told me it was both i kind of know right i need to think core here because what happens is when the core is weak it'll start 
what they call the nervous system start put pulling the brakes on muscles and the limbs so you see a lot of people with bilateral or both hamstrings or both tighter both groins are always tight and they're saying i'm stretching these out forever and they're not get, ever getting any better but anyway i, I was telling this dad like, i can't i could try and find dysfunction or weakness at your knee here it's causing the patellar tendon pain but i know from experience that this is going to be an underlying weakness in your in your core so what i do then is i go and test specifically around the core so i know you everybody thinks right core is just that six-pack muscles and all but mm-hmm. there's a lot more there's a lot more intrinsic core muscles and anyway i was able to find that there was a diaphragm muscle on over overworking for a weakness in this let's invert a comma six-pack muscles once i cleared that up and what i mean by clearing up i tested the six-pack muscles and they tested weak so that tells me that the nervous system isn't able to fire to that muscle at that time so it's actually sending the message to another muscle to compensate and one of the most common ones is the diaphragm which is our biggest breathing muscle so i was able to release off the diaphragm and get a better firing test out of the, the core kind of completed that <coughs> as kind of dad was as dad was kind of skeptical because i hadn't really went anywhere near the knees which i would have been if i would have been if i hadn't known any better but then i was able to catch up on men over the weekend and kind of find out that their their pain and decrease in pain have been huge right. and this was an issue that was kind of going on four months and i was kind of only after one, the, the initial session now it's the same with the calf muscles same thing if you have a weakness in your core your nervous system will start pulling the brakes on and stop or maybe using stuff harder on in the limbs it's kind of like a protective mechanism because the for the nervous system one of its main one of pain's priorities is to keep the spine safe because that's where all the nervous nerves and stuff runs yeah. so if the core is weak It'll just start asking stuff they work harder. Hmm. Um, <coughs> and that stage then it was pulling what we call pulling the brakes on the on the limbs. So for that client I would say first thing to do is look up my page and try and get do that core exercise. If that core exercise is hard for him to do, I would say although it may not be the first thing I do, I would say f- more foam rolling on the calves. As soon as he's done the foam rolling on the calves or stretching the calves, he needs to go and do the core exercise. He has to do the core exercise every day until he starts getting better, until it starts getting easier. And see if that lets the calves go. Um, I'm sure he's went down the line by the sounds of it of stretching and foam rolling and warming up, and it's not having any cause. So maybe I can try my thing now. It's a wee bit of a different path to go down, but um, it might have a lot more successful results on it. You would never think, would you not, if you had tight calves, they start it's going the core. core like mm. never. And like I always, it's, it's one of the problems I'm having at the minute. Not a problem, but explaining my work to people. Yeah, you have two sore knees or two hamstrings. Um, it's a it's an issue with your core. But what I, what I find then is that the, the results are so quick. Do you know what you could do? Like an, a hamstring test to see how um, tight someone's hamstrings are. It's just basically like a toe touch or um, or lift their leg in there. And if it doesn't go, they, they tell you where they can't go any further than that. I, you can sometimes literally clear up an issue in the core. And then what happens in the nervous system, then it kind of stops the tone going or the tightness of the hamstrings and you get a better test. Next one I'll have enough try and take a video or take a picture of it um, and see you might actually do it yourself because yeah. mm. we don't find that you had a weakness in your core is there anything that you can do just in general again to build structural integrity so that you can possibly avoid injuries if you're going to do any kind of event like this or maybe you're just a maybe you're just a competing athlete uh, we haven't talked much about the event specifically mm. at all on this podcast like Right, so for this one, I would kind of say, you know, we go back this kind of similar to the, the answer I give to the, um, the footwear stuff. Basically, I would just, if I was if I was in your or anyone else's shoes doing this, I would just try and find out that the main muscles that kind of help us run, 
mm. are functioning and, and work on the way they should work. Mm. Um, and the, the, the testing, for example, just mind and muscle testing, or um, uh, just simple testing. So if you can hold the test, there's kind of maybe a slight weakness in it, and you're running on a system, and it's not firing on all cylinders the way it should fire. It'll help you in terms of being injury free and like if you ask yourself a question um if you had a if you had a bike that had two wheels on it and a bike had stabilizers on it hmm. what kind of bike would you have running on or run a, lot, a bike with stabilizers isn't going to run as efficient as if one's with the wheels on it so if i'm able to find muscle weakness and glutes or hip flexors or anything core muscles and we can get them better surely you're going to be able to run better and um avoid the injuries more so i would say make sure the muscles that are firing a bit better um and then in terms of stuff like running especially um what we're what they're finding now is that there's a lot that these slings that i talk about the start like muscles are supposed to interact with others at certain times um there's one in particular called the posterior oblique sling where the, the latin on the side or the, one of the main back muscles are supposed to contract at the same time as the opposite glute if you can Kind of make sure that the lat and the glute are both firing on both sides and they start training that a wee bit more specifically and there's kind of ways you do it. It means when you're running then and these muscles are in a better time of each other, um, you'll be a lot more efficient then. Um, I'm starting to see that a lot more now in the kind of high, high levels like um, strength and condition coaches and <coughs> um, yeah, along that line they're kind of thinking rather than getting stuff, people are really strong. Why don't we work on the timing of muscles are supposed to all contract at the one time? Um and you can break it down into like a lot, a lot and um the posterior oblique sling if people want to look at up and the anterior oblique sling are the big ones. Um they say now if you have them things working or them systems working as powerful as they should, um you'll not be you'll be a lot more or a lot more efficient mm-hmm. than what you are than what not what people normally are. Yeah. I suppose if you're not sure on testing and stuff like that, um, there's plenty of people like yourself and Aye. that you can come and get it done professionally. Well, I'm going to post up a lot of tests now, but I suppose you can't do really do the test on your own. But yes. Um, that would be a nice one for a lot of people who are thinking. If I would probably talk to you about the core and I'd go and look at the page and look at the exercise I put up on the core. And hmm. If you're finding yourself having difficulty with that, yeah. and it's a very simple core exercise, and if you think about all the cheats of your heads coming up, if you're starting to shake early, if you're starting to hold your breath, then you might have a, a kind of issue going on. It's fascinating how many muscles there is within the body. Like, I think you just think your leg has muscles at the top, muscles at the bottom, your arm has muscles at the top, muscles at the bottom. But mm-hmm. even when we were in the, your clinic last day and you pulled up on the screen, there's you know so many muscles. And it's almost like your body's this really complex economic system or something, yeah. and then you're you're just trying to trying to fix parts that, that aren't running smoothly, and by fixing that, you're relieving stress on our muscles. Yeah. No, it's it's really it's, it's interesting, but it's kind of dead simple in a sense too, isn't it? Although it's a lot more or a lot more complicated and I probably know. Like I know I have a lot of a lot a lot a lot of learning to do. But it's simple, like if one area's working really too hard, uh. if you have a weakness in a muscle or a group of muscles that are related, if you kinda get them firing all cylinders again, maybe the pressure might pressure might start coming off a muscle that is sore. Yeah. Mm. Um, so neurokinetic therapy as I said before when, before we started recording. It was a term I never came across. Obviously, the name suggests that it's to do with 
the brain, the nervous system, and movements. Um, so if you get, you, you, it's a, it's something you implement in your practice. Aye. Um, so if you could talk a little bit more about that, tell listeners what exactly what, what it is. Aye. So the neurokinetic therapy was like one of these, um, therapies that I had seen online when I was doing my degree and stuff, and they were getting a lot of, they were putting up a lot about a lot of cases that they were getting. And loads of people were getting better very quickly, and I wasn't hearing much of it at all. But the basis around it is they class it down. There's there's like a part of our brain that controls and regulates movement you know, it's the, the command centre the motor control centre and you know I'm talking a lot today about testing muscles but it's actually we're actually testing movement so let's say it takes what we call hip flexor or the movement of hip flexion basically what I'm kind of asking is is this part of the brain able to take the message of me asking it to hold this muscle in the air and is able to coordinate the firing pattern for it to hold it um, and that's basically what I'm asking if that ain't able to do it I know that up on that cerebellum or motor control centre I've developed another strategy and a compensation strategy so um, NKT has developed a way that you can find exactly what other muscle or what other joint there is compensating for that weakness and have flexion so kind of the things that I look for is right what's the opposite of have flex what other muscles help that have flexion work and have flexion so one of them other muscles compensating for that weakness in that muscle. Like we got four main half flexors. There'll be about let's say four other muscles that help assist. So if one's weak is one of the other ones overworking. And then it goes you get more in depth of right, what's the opposite of half flexion? Is it a half extension? So a lot of people have and the one of the main half extensors is hamstrings. So a lot of people have an overwork on hamstring for a weakness and a half flexor. Um NKT basically with the techniques you use can make you find the exact dysfunction. Um, an exact compensation pattern um, and like I, I say to a lot of clients and I think I might have said it yourselves probably about 99% of my problems aren't what I would call true muscle injuries you know I would class a muscle injury as a muscle injury when a, when a muscle tears and make its own bruising or inflammation or um, but I rarely see it for example I was on such a train last night and I seen a groin injury and uh, the footballer was talking at the time he was right out for three weeks, 100% out for three weeks. But once I lifted the leg and seen that there wasn't much bruising or there was no bruising on the co- groin, I was saying, right, well, probably this groin is, has been doing a lot of work for a muscle or a couple of muscles nearby. What happens is that groin has probably been able to do the work for them other muscles for weeks, months. We can't, it's hard to tell how long. And it's been able to cope and able to deal with it all. And if you think like a red line, if you're miles away from a red line, when this groin starts compensating for these other muscles, the more you use it, the more you age closer towards the red line. And then until one time in, you might strike a ball to strike a ball, and then it just pushes you over that red line and it starts giving you pain. NKT would kind of tell you, right, when a muscle is sore, you're getting pain in the muscle. It's the nervous system that's signaling pain to that muscle and telling you, right, there's an issue here, compensation pattern, and we kind of want you to help us fix it out now. And, or it's nearly like a protective mechanism. Exactly what happened at football. I'm not going to play football now for three weeks because I've got pain here. That's what your brain wants to do because it recognises that there's vulnerability. There's vulnerability in all our weaknesses and muscles elsewhere. And then it, the guys who created NKT have found out, right, these are all the muscle tests for all the muscles. Let's test them. And then there's a nice way in. They teach you how to find out if that's the exact muscle that's compensating for the groin. And, and that particular guy in the night I was able to find out that this groin was compensating for a muscle on the outside of his hip and a deeper core muscle. I we were able to do some release stuff and, and get the other muscles firing the way they should fire. And he's away by rehab plan now and he has to do every other day, so, or three times in a day. So rather than resting and stuff, we're actually teaching the brain, right, stop using the groin muscle as much. So he, he starts to stretch it, he starts doing that. Stop sending so many messages to the groin and then we give it some nice activation work. But it's only an easy 
activation exercise, they teach the brain rates or teach the movement or the cerebellum or the motor control center. Here's how to use the glute medius again. Here's how to use the transverse abdominis again. Um, and then what it does then, it kind of rebalances itself. It's probably a nice way to class as a muscle imbalance. One's working too hard and a, a couple of other ones ain't pulling their weight. Mm. Um, and then it, what it does then is the nervous system recognizes how to use these other muscles again and then le- lays off the groin muscle again. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way to kind of describe it. Yeah. It sounds like it has really good predictive power. No, because you can literally test weaknesses, go run up a chain and catch a catch someone before mm. it ends up mm. causing problems. I suppose if you're seeing somebody for one injury and you you find weaknesses here and there, they would probably inevitably lead on to yeah. worse and worse problems. Like so, yeah, it sounds really interesting. Like, the thing I love about it most is I'll find a muscle that's compensating um, for a weakness elsewhere, and I'll release the one that's compensating. And what that does is it kind of tells the nervous system stop sending so many messages here and then it opens up the pathway for the other one to fire again mm. so before that session's over I'll have the muscle that's weak backfiring having a strong test again so I say to my clients right here's your rehab plan that muscle's firing the way it should fire if you come back to me in a week's time and say this issue's still, this issue's still sore and um, it hasn't got any better I'm able to go and test a muscle that I knew was weak at the start of the session but it was now better that's week in a week time I'll know for a fact that they haven't been doing the rehab plan the way they really should have been doing it so it's a nice ga- end game for me rather than doing the same treatment every week I would yes. say right get this c- pattern fixed if that doesn't help it we can actually move on and see where's all our weaknesses and so mm-hmm. there's a nice um, I know, objective finding at the end at the end of it all and rather than conservatively just treating the muscle that's sore I'm trying to find out why it's sore at the end of the day and that commonly someone comes to a groin and the way I was taught my degree, someone comes on my groin pain, let's rub it and stretch it and rub it and stretch it and wait for the muscles to heal, but that's just not the case now from what I'm finding anyway. And I'm finding that you are just clearing up very quickly and once you find the exact reason why it's happening in the brain and it's not, the movements aren't as efficient as they should be in the nervous system and once you relearn and rewire the nervous system, a lot of nice mm. way to describe it, mm. um, they kind of just kind of clear off now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even explain anything like that. Uh, uh. It's the it's the same with anything. I think in this kind of area, like you're going to be talking to a lot of people who they're literally hearing these things for the first time. Uh. And you're going to be using language and terms that they're going to find confusing from the outright. Then it's trying to get it across in a way that people understand. Uh. That's know. even there now when you were saying I release the muscles. You know, I was saying that we need to explain the actual process of releasing muscles because when you were saying to me you and I went down to the clinic when I release know. your muscles I was like what does that mean what's mm. it involved mm. and then you're talking about there and I think unless anyone I know that's listening exactly what that is they'll be going what is releasing muscles just wee things like that to think about it's almost just thinking like you're explaining it to a two year old I don't know because people just don't have that it's all good saying that information now you go so go, no, you, can get, you can get it so easily um, but people just don't have the time. People are focusing on their own area, uh. and they devote all their time to that area. So, um, mm. for them, as they go and find out, you know, they kind of upscale on the every domain is completely unrealistic. Like that was kind of the idea behind this podcast was mm. that we would start this from the beginning, knowing nothing, go through the whole process, and get as much help and information as we could, and document it along the way. So anybody else that's kind of thinking. I would mind giving giving that a go or giving some sort of insurance event a go. They can come to this podcast as almost like a, a beginner's course nearly uh, just to listen through and 
pick up loads. Like every yeah. single guest we've had on, every something. podcast we've run, we we learn something. So, um, hopefully, other people are are learning and right. listening for sure. Um, so every get every guest that we've had on so far, just basically, we're asking them for a guess on how long, how quick they think I'll finish the race. Mm. Um, Hang on, but to be fair though, Rory hasn't that like the actual event. He hasn't seen any previous times. He's not too familiar on the big distances and stuff, so give him all your run down here before you... Aye, uh, uh, so... Oh, actually, I'll pull up the times before we start. Let him, let him make an informed guess. So, there's six stages. Uh, stage one is a half marathon. Stage two's a 15km kayak. Stage three is a 100km cycle. Stage four is 5km up and down Muggish Mountain. Stage five is seventy kilometer cycle, and stage six is a marathon. <laughs> so, tell me, there's no what about training. Like, how far are you getting up to? Training's going really well. Ah, but I mean, like, how far close can you get near that? Like, to, surely you can't get that close. Are you going to run a marathon before you go? Are you going to do twenty? Uh, he's doing loads of events, eh? Uh, I uh, well, I done an event last two weeks ago, was it? Mm-hmm. Two Saturdays ago. So that was sixty three kilometers. Running? So, no, it was ten kilometers of trail running, which is like up and down a mountain. Um one and a half kilometers kayaking, six kilometers just like beach running and forty five kilometers on a bike. So that's all good going like enough. How you, how are you finding it recovery wise and stuff sore for days no not even Jeez. not because I remember when you came on to me I was surprised that they hadn't had any injuries and stuff because nah. because like, see, I'll just make a, a simple example see you and I go back on my institute and train and they're coming back six weeks off training and then they want to do pre-season a lot of them break down nah. hamstring niggles groin niggles no they've been see, sitting around doing nothing it's really a lot of low intensity stuff like that we're doing. We went down to this going right like we we were looking at the task and going, We don't even know if we can do this like at a task that no it's nah. of that kind of magnitude that we don't even know if we could do it. So we're really geared towards getting there and injury free like. So that's what we're saying. It's like really low intensity blinds coming off his long days, feeling fresh and he's not overexerting, he's not mm. he's not throwing ahead and putting on bike sprints and stuff. It's just really low intensity. Mm. Tactical. That's probably a perfect way to do it, like. Instead uh, of going for gold, like, and then dead for days in, like. Mm. And then, the big thing, too, is one of the first people I talked to was uh, an Ironman, and he was saying, look, your big long runs, do them as little as possible. No, it's all about breaking it down on these sections, mm. attacking each discipline in small small quantities, uh, and building, building it up and building it up. Uh, rather than going and mimicking, you know, big long runs, you just come back broken. Mm. You know what I mean? Full injuries, uh. and joint pains, and mm. stuff like that. Get to the event. We're just trying to finish it at this at this rate. Uh. And if he gets there and he's, he ends up like at a really good level and he's going to compete, then he can compete like. But uh. when when is, when is it? Uh, March next year, twenty third of March. So from the day we started training, we had exactly ten months. Exactly, forty weeks, wasn't it? Mm. From so we're what week like sixteen mm. or something, fifteen or sixteen, like. 
So, but we're getting on sweet back. Com- compared to when we started, we're flying like. I doubt they'll be smashing any records out of there or anything, but mm. I'm c- confident now that they'll finish at least. Like, yeah. Some That's what we were saying. There, there wouldn't be many people that, that have done that kind of distance in one sitting. Like, so it'd be a good, good mm. one to chat about in the bar afterwards. Like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the class. The level, I would say that he's going to come on wrist day. Like I said it before, he, he's going to be one of the fattest people that you could find. Do you know what I mean? On, on event day. Uh, not be mm. many people further than you like. Mm. No. And how many does this? Hundreds. So last year there was fifty eight finishers. Um but last year's actually a bad example because they they had a change of it because of do you mind um what was that storm that come on? Oh, uh, yeah, it was a, the beast from the east. Ah, uh, the beast from the east. So they they had a change of it, so they, I think they lost a lot of competitors. The the year before, I think they they got the full hundred, but then they had like thirty dropped out then Madras. So it depending on if the weller's on your side on the day, you, you can have a high dropout rate like. Yeah. And are you gonna claim up monkeys from back to info is it? We've read on it. We done that what three weeks ago? No. More than Jesus. He he went up monkeys with me like. He cycled. He cycled from Derry down forty three mile. And then me and him climb muggish, and then he cycled home again. Fuck. Ha. I met him at the bus, and we climbed. Uh, look at last year's times. So Marty Lynch came first. Uh, we had Marty on the podcast. He's different level. So he came first last year. Um, 13 hours, 32 minutes. 13 hours? <laughs> this is what it's taken. That's a record. Uh, that's that's a record for the fastest runner. Fuck. Uh, so <laughs> stop. You're really stopped by you've got transitions. You can we uh, can stop whenever you want, but if you you, just need you stop think about something on board like food. Uh, I well after at every stage you have a transition box. So the the way it works is the race is unsupported. So like Aiden say Aiden will be at every transition, but Aiden can't hand me anything or. So I pack my boxes and then what I put in the boxes, that's all I can use for the race. So I, every, every transition then, once you complete a stage, I can sit in transition one for as long as I want. But they, they'll have cut off points where if you don't have transition three by 14 hours or whatever, then you're out of the race. Be dark on all that too. Yeah. Half, half a race will be in pitch black. Like. Well, then, uh, what are you going to eat? That's that's the thing we, we covered. Haven't, we well, haven't figured it all out yet, like. We have a dietitian coming on now next mm-hmm. our next podcast. So hopefully he's going to tell me what to eat at the minute. On the long runs, just eating like sandwiches at the transition, uh and then gels, electrolytes right. while I'm while I'm on the bike. Um that's that really. Mm-hmm. But I haven't Protein checks. Mm. We're kind of tra- we're try we're in trial and error mode now at the moment. No, he's uh. figuring out what's working from. A lot. What Marty said was a lot of his food is for. He has uh. a lot of there for the psychological boost. Uh. Like he likes to take coke and stuff with him. Just because. Uh. Just because he goes right. I want to eat coke now when I stop here. Or whatever. Like uh. no. Cans of coke. Cans of coke. I want cola. I try machine too. I be taking stuff with you like and not really like fucking. No, there's there's, and all that. Uh, yeah. there's no need for him to be bringing down the cleanest meals and stuff and uh, manage, you know what I mean 
it's about finishing, keeping uh, himself sane through it. Like, uh, well, what he actually says was, what he packs in his transition boxes, he could do the race three times because each box he'll have three or four different meals, so we'll get this, and then he just might get that and go, ah, fuck's sake, a hand sandwich wouldn't be bored to eat that. They'll have three or four different things and go, ah, I'll, I'll pick that and eat that. So that's it. That's one we think I'm kind of wee bit worried about because I don't know how far we're gonna go. And our training plan, like we'll maybe go max twelve hour run. You know what? That'll be our absolute max. Whereas you're talking twenty four hours here, so I don't know how the body's gonna respond being awake twenty four hours. You know, I don't know what. Some, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I might try and um, even just staying awake twenty four hours just before before the rest, just to see. Mm. what it's like staying awake 24 hours <laughs> I don't think I've ever stayed awake 24 hours just get up early and sit up and watch a McGregor fight if that turns out well you might pack like a bottle of whiskey and <laughs> 12 cans because that got you see the last 24 hours <laughs> right, uh, right go ahead what's the, what's the correct right I would keep coming back to this so 13 and a half hours Marty done then and then the boy that comes second done it 15 and a half hours then 16 hours, uh, that was the top three. And then you go right down. Once you hit the people coming in at 30th, they're up to 20 hours. Right through then, the, the last couple then come in 23 and a half hours. So, and then you had a, a couple ones that didn't finish. In. Right, I'll give you a bit better name. I'll say 22 hours. 22 uh, hours. Mm. So we've been doing a, 20 minutes. a good day and a bad day, haven't we? Uh, so the the Weller plays is going to play a, a massive part on it. Um, so we're giving them two guesses. You can you get a guess for if it's a good day and a guess for if it's a bad day. Right, let's do twenty two hours. On a, you better say bad day. <laughs> <laughs> twenty two hours, forty minutes, the bad day. Right. And um, we'll give you twenty hours and twenty minutes. And twenty hours, twenty minutes. That's. Is maybe even more, maybe more optimistic than that there. Hey, at the minute, I'm just looking at finishing. See, I'm not even really fussed on the time, see, just as long as I finish. But maybe closer to the time, I'll start thinking, getting a wee bit competitive. And mm. Mm. It's hard to know what way to approach it. That's the plan. And we're trying to get as many events under our belt so it really doesn't land there on, on wrist day and go, fuck this here, I'm going to... I'm going to sprint it and run, and then he gets halfway Aye. through his half marathon, and he's just Aye. cabbage to the side of the road. Uh, a lot of people end up going out too fast in races like that. Aye. That's sweet. That's happy days there. Appreciate you coming on, man. It's good having you. I'm sure we'll get you in again, anyway. Thanks again for coming on. Aye. Really appreciate it. We really appreciate the help that you're giving us as well. You know, it's it's all going to be invaluable come race day, so yeah. really appreciate that. Aye. That's us. That's a wrap. What? This has been the Coasty to 150k podcast. You can follow our journey online at the Coasty to 150k Facebook page, Instagram, or AidenDollyFitness.com.